All right, what's up, everybody? Welcome to church once again. My name is Brennan, I'm the worship pastor, and it's my honor to be able to bring the message today on Mother's Day. Come on, somebody. Mother's Day. Yeah. I do want to just take a second just to honor all the mothers in the house here in this room at the Academy, in Bluffton, in the lobby and overflow, and the cafe. We're just so honored that you're here. We love you. We thank you so much for all that you do. Come on, let's just honor them one more time. Come on. Yeah. So a couple days ago, in preparation of the message, I called my mom and I just said, hey, give me some good stories of how awesome it was raising me. <laughs> and my mom was like, oh my gosh, got so many good ones, but here's my favorite one. My favorite memory was when you were at home for an extended period of time sick with mononucleosis. I was like, explain, <laughs> elaborate. Well, so the first thing is mononucleosis isn't very, uh, it's not a very scary sickness. I just was a little sick for a little bit, and then like after a few days, you're just really fatigued. And that can last a while, and it's contagious. So my mom's like, well, I remember us finding out that you had mono, you were feeling pretty good, but we still had to keep you home for three to four weeks, and then we'd kind of reassess. It's like, okay. So I remember that happening. I'm, I'm sixth grade, so I'm like home for three to six weeks from school, and I feel pretty good, just tired, awesome. All right, we can do that. So she was like, what I love so much about that time was that we got to rent so many movies. We rented all these Shirley Temple movies, and you just fell in love with Shirley Temple. <laughs> and I was like, have you been telling people this? She's like, yeah, you, were just, you just thought it was so amazing and fascinating that this two-and-a-half-year-old, as she grew, she could still dance and sing. And I was like, that must be my inspiration for being such a big dancer and singer. And she's like, that's probably it. And I was like, I'm kidding, Mom. Please don't tell anybody this anymore. So after the first three to four weeks, we reassess. She goes, all right, how are you feeling? I was like, I feel pretty good, actually. I feel pretty, pretty good. She's like, are you sure? Like, yeah, I feel pretty good. Are you a little tired? Like, yeah, maybe a little tired. All right, let's reassess in three to four weeks. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, pretty tired. We should reassess in three to four weeks. And I told my best friend, I was like, hey, I can't keep watching these Shirley Temple movies. And he's like, let me get you my Super Nintendo. And I was like, yes. So he gave me a Super Nintendo. It was the greatest thing in the world. NBA Jam, I played for days. And I played Mario Kart, the original. It was amazing. I got amazing at it, knew all the shortcuts, did all those things. And I would just play video games all day. And now we're like two months in of me missing school because I'm maybe a little tired, probably from video games, but like I'm a little tired. My parents even allowed us to have friends over. I, had me, me, I could have my friends over when they were done with school, as long as we just kept a distance. And just like, what? all right, this is going great. I could, get, I could keep this up. So then two more months went by, and so now four months I've missed school. I've missed school for four months. That's half of my sixth grade year. I'm not kidding. I even, I even re-asked her, like, for four months, was it really, or was that my sixth grade mind, um, like, just imagining? She's like, no, it was, like, four months, and it was great. She's like, I came to the States four months later pretty dumb. I missed sixth grade in Canada school, and then I came here to the United States. I'm pretty sure I was already behind if I hadn't missed half the year, but then I came here, and I remember working so hard, but the beautiful thing about it that I just kept thinking is, like, how awesome are moms, the way they care and nurture and love their kids, and that's what my mom was trying to do. She didn't help me in my academics. I'm still a seventh grade level reading, but I'm improving, and you know, thank you, mama. All right, but today, let's get to what we're going to talk about. We're going to talk about living a life of purpose. 
living a life of purpose. God's called us to something great, and are we going to be able to live our life to that full potential? And the question I want to ask ourselves, are we allowing the busyness of the world, the busyness of our lives to distract us from actually knowing what that purpose is and then actually doing something about it and doing something with it? So as we discuss this today, let's think about how we can live a life of purpose, not just to affect the world around us, but for generations to come, for our kids and their kids. And there are four ways I believe that the Bible teaches us to live a life of purpose. Before we get to those, this passage speaks to me right here. Proverbs 20, verse 7. The righteous lead blameless lives. Blessed are their children after them. So let's be eternal focused. Let's be after our lives focused. The first point, if you take notes, this is a good time to start. Stand with integrity. I think integrity is a lost art in our society. I think integrity is hard to come by. People trying to really live or put on a front as if they're somebody else. And integrity is just being the same person in every environment. But we so often want to be this something great at work, something different than we maybe are, something that we aren't. And then we actually end up having a little trouble living up to it as we continue on because it's not who we truly are. A great passage for this is Proverbs 11.3. The integrity of the upright guides them, but the unfaithful are destroyed by their duplicity. So many people trying to maintain an image, and they eventually get destroyed by the fact that that's just not who they truly are. They get found out. A person of integrity, again, is just someone that is the same person in every single environment. And when you make a promise, they follow through. When you say you're going to do something, you do something. Proverbs 25, 14 says, like clouds and wind without rain is a man who boasts of gifts never given. So many times we make these promises to the people in our lives and we don't follow through. We might, be, we might have the intention to make it happen, but we get distracted and we, we miss it. We've got some common unkept promises here. I'll return it as soon as I'm done with it. How many of y'all have tools in your garage that don't belong to you. Like you finish a project, pretty tired. I'm not racing to give that back to Roy. Sorry, Roy, that's mine. That's my tool now. Thanks for the wheelbarrow. I promise I won't tell anyone. Roy, don't worry about it. I won't tell a single soul. But then we go to somebody that we're like, you know, this person could really help pray for this person. You know what Roy's been up to? He's stealing tools. <laughs> the check is in the mail. Who uses checks anymore? Me and Bluffton, I guess. Nobody here. Maybe out in the lobby. I love using a check. If I'm going to have to pay somebody or I'm giving my money away, I want it to be a little bit harder for myself. It makes it a little harder after I don't have to click a button to do it. I like writing a check. I'm kind of old school like that, though. I do put on slippers the moment I get into my house. I wear a robe. I love my fish tanks. I love just staring at them. I play solitaire with a real deck of cards most nights of the week drinking tea. So I know that I'm a little bit different, and maybe none of you do those things in here, but if you did, you'd write checks too, I promise. You would. It's just part of who you are. I'll be home by 6. 
That's a, that's a big one. I think we're guilty of that a lot. We forget to set the right expectations. We have the right intentions, but we get distracted. This one's sad. I promise I'll play later. As a parent, we've done that a lot. And then as time's going on, it's getting closer to bedtime, you're just, God, please, please tell me they forgot. <laughs> they didn't. They don't. They never do. Then they don't sleep because you've let them down. And we let down our kids. And then we say, you know what? We're going to play extra tomorrow. And then we get to tomorrow, and we hope they forget. I'm just kidding. No, we play tomorrow. We play hard. We go, we go hard in the paint tomorrow. The last one that I have is like, I'll start the diet tomorrow. But then tomorrow's not Monday. And it's like, okay, well, I'll just start at the next lunar eclipse. Unfortunately, that's next Sunday. I looked it up. So next Sunday, I will start my diet. Don't ask. There's no chance I'm going to be starting that next Sunday. Because I, I like to start them on Mondays. Anyway. So again, no, we're violating scripture. As much as, as some of these are just common and maybe you don't feel like they're a big deal, we are violating scripture. And there's obviously bigger lies and bigger things that we do in our lives that, uh, that do uh, really uh, sacrifice some of our integrity. We're violating scripture when we live this way. Again, though, Proverbs 11.3 says the integrity of the upright guides them. So if you live with integrity, God will bless you. God will guide you. So it's not just that we'll be destroyed if we don't. The nice thing is that if we start living our lives with integrity, God will bless it. We live this life making promises to people that we don't, te- don't keep, and we, we lack integrity in those moments. And the sad reality that oftentimes we maintain this image or a front at work or at church or in our circles, but then we don't bring our best home with us to the place where we're surrounded by the people we love the most. So David prayed this prayer because he was feeling the same thing we are. Psalm 103, Psalm 103, verse 2. I will try to walk in a blameless path, but how I need your help, especially in my own home where I long to act as I should. Again, that sad reality is that when we're angry or we're frustrated, we're upset about something, we don't tend to take it out on our boss or on our pastor, same person for me, or your coworkers. You don't tend to do that. You know, you get home, I take it out on the dog first. If that doesn't work, well, then I get impatient with the rest of my family. I hate that. Those are the people that deserve my absolute best, but they're getting my worst because I'm not living with integrity. Being the same person in every environment, I let myself go a little bit sometimes when I get impatient. Stress can do that to you. But I love this. When you're living a life of integrity, then those who know you the best respect you the most. The people that know your ins and outs, if you're living a life of integrity, they know and respect you the most. And if you're living a life that does not have a life of integrity in it, then those who know you the best tend to respect you the least. It's a one way to evaluate how you're doing in that department. So integrity being the same person in every single environment. And that's what I'm aspiring to be as a worship pastor, as a co-worker here, and especially when I get home, that I can be the best version of myself in all areas of my life. So if we want to live a life of purpose that carries on for generations, we must live with integrity. Number two, we must succeed with humility. We don't see a lot of that in society today. 
Sports is a really good indicator of where we're, how we're doing with humility. Celebrating. How do we celebrate? How are the professionals celebrating their victories? I grew up in Canada, so I remember growing up watching Canadian Football League. And so they'd usually apologize, like, oh, I'm so sorry about that. And, like, they would, like, it would just, it was nice. But when they did things good, they'd be like, I'm so excited about that. And they'd be like, they'd celebrate it as a team. We didn't watch Canadian football. We watched the NFL in Canada. But... Uh, when we nowadays, though, I remember just watching as we watch sports now, it's kind of changed a little bit to be more me focused. Kind of pointing at the name on the back of the jersey, I'm number one. Instead of remembering all of the other people that had an impact there, the perfect pass, the perfect block, the perfect screen, all these people had an impact. The coach play, calling the right play call. But no, we're starting as a as a society to take all the credit for what's happening if you have any amount of success. The Bible tells us arrogance will bring your downfall, but if you are humble, you will be respected. We see it happen not just in sports, but all throughout our society. Someone starts to uh, get prideful, a little arrogant about the things that are happening in their lives as they get more successful, maybe in their careers or however it might be. But we oftentimes forget how many people had to be a part of that process, those that were supporting us, those that have been lifting us up, those that have been loving us. In every area of life, there's a system of support and structure, and humility tells us, there's no chance I could get here without all the people that helped me. That's what humility says. We've got to get back to that and make sure that we are appreciating and lifting and loving those that have helped us throughout the entire process. Pastor Dave said this before, if you step on the fingers of those who hold the la- your ladder of success, they might let go when you get to the top. The reality is that people, people will forget your name if you make it all about yourself, because people just are not interested in it. So we've got to lift others up. The Bible tells us in Philippians 2, don't be selfish, don't try to impress others. This is basically how we live our relationships out. That we make pride is an arrogance, kind of a center of our lives. How does it make me feel? How does it make me look? And the world will tell you it doesn't matter who you step on to get there. It doesn't matter who, whose back you stab, who you go around. It doesn't matter how you act as long as you're successful. That's what the world wants to tell you over and over again. And that's just completely backwards. It's completely wrong. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourself. That doesn't mean look down on yourself. It's just saying, just think and elevate others above you. Don't look only only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. Let's just look to others and lift them up around us. Pastor Days also said this, and I think it's very fitting. You can either live your life convincing others that you are great or convincing others that they are great. There's one that's so much better. There's one that's so much more refreshing. Let's live as if others around us are great. Let's tell them how great they are. I've got uh, two beautiful daughters, a five and a seven-year-old. Five-year-old's name is Lennox. And she gets this from her mom, but she loves to compliment people. She does it all the time in our household. Mom, your hair looks so beautiful. Dad, like yesterday, You look like a handsome ninja. (laughs) I was walking out the door to come and preach last night. 
I was like, you're right. <laughs> That's what I was going for. The people of I-Town need a ninja to preach to them today. And I'm that ninja. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Thank you. The first service to recognize it. It's important. <laughs> no, but I do. I love that that has been passed down from their mother, just to lift people up because it feels good. I felt great leaving my house, and every time she ever compliments me or other people in her life, her teacher told us at a, teacher a parent teacher conference that she does it at school as well. And I was like, does it come across as a joke there too? She's like, no, it seems genuine. I was like, all oh, right, way to go, mom. Crushing it. No, we got to live our life with humility, lifting other people up around us if we want to have a life that has purpose that goes on for generations. Number three, we must sow with generosity. Psalm 112, verse 9. They share freely and give generously to those in need. Their good deeds will be remembered forever. They will have influence and honor. I love the story of Andrew Carnegie. We know him as this great businessman, had this great steel company that he sold in 1901 to J.P. Morgan for $303 million. That's a long time ago, and that's $303 million. Today, that's the equivalent of $9 trillion. That's a few bucks. The thing that makes him so extraordinary isn't that he, for that season, was the wealthiest man in American history. No, the thing that makes him so extraordinary is that he spent his life trying to give it away. After he passed, in fact, they were going through his stuff, and they went through his desk, and they found a scrap piece of paper, and it had some different mission statements, some different goals that he had in his life. One of which was, I'm going to spend the first half of my life earning as much money as I possibly can and spend the second half of my life trying to give it all away. And so we remember $303 million being his biggest business deal. Well, over the span of his entire life, he actually gave away $450 million to charity. That's almost $150 million more than what he made on his biggest business deal. How blessed would you have to be to be able to give away $450 million? Quite blessed. That's what God wants to do for us. He wants us to be able to be generous in every area of our lives. He wants us to be able to sow into other people generously all through Scripture. Be generous in every single occasion. We remember his name not because of the steel industry. We remember his name because he spent his life giving it all away. We make a living by what we get. We leave a legacy by what we give. Proverbs eleven twenty four through 25. Give freely and become more wealthy. Be stingy and lose everything. Sounds opposite of what the world would tell us today. The generous will prosper. Those who refresh others will themselves be refreshed. I remember driving in Chicago. We, my wife and I were leaving the House of Blues, which is kind of right there, smack dab in the middle of Chicago. It was late at night, lots of traffic, because there's always traffic in Chicago. And I remember driving, and I'm a little stressed. I'm not loving the one ways, and I don't know which way I'm supposed to turn next. So I'm like looking like a hawk. I don't have Google Maps going. It's, it's earlier than that. And I'm just, I'm stressed. And Heather's, you know, like... <laughs> just encouraging me in my drive. But for some reason, it wasn't helping. 
And I remember her, she just looks over and she goes, Brennan, stop. I was like, nope. No, Brennan, you got to stop. There's a guy back there that needs our coats. And I was like, double no. <laughs> no, pretty cold out and driving. And I'm not, I don't know where to, just stop. And so I did what every good man that leads his family well does. I said, yes, ma'am. <laughs> and I pulled over. And I parked the car and we grabbed our coats and we walked back. And we had to walk a little bit. Still remember being confused. What am I doing? I want to go home. We're like three and a half hours away from home. I'm walking with my coat in hand instead of on. And we get to this man. He's a homeless man. And Heather just says, we felt like we were supposed to give you these coats. And he just starts to cry. And we start to pray over him. And then we leave. We get back to the car. And I remember it like it's yesterday. Get to the car. And I just said, thank you. Thank you for the obedience of your generosity with the Holy Spirit put on your heart. Because I believe that I feel more blessed in this moment than that man does with our coats because we were used by our God to go fulfill something, being generous. My wife taught me something that day, and she continues to teach our family and our girls this same stuff. I've got my seven-year-old, whose name is Cadence, and she is the most generous kid ever. She's so sweet. But she loves watching us be generous in different areas. We're always looking to bless people, maybe at dinner, buying their dinner, somebody else's dinner that don't even know that we're there. And we can kind of step out before they even know it's bought. And we always feel this blessing. We talk about the blessing that God gives us when we're generous to others. And so my oldest, who's seven, has kind of taken that on herself. She gives everybody gifts on Christmas. Everybody's birthday, they get a gift. She uses her own money that she's earned from cleaning and doing different things and chores around the house. This particular time, just a couple weeks ago, we were at Target with both girls. They both had their purses because they wanted to buy toys. One had money, the other one had about 70 cents because she's always tired during cleaning and chore time. <laughs> and so Cadence is looking around and she has this place, in her, she just, she, she's looking for everything. She wants to buy something, but she's like, you know what? I don't see anything I want enough. I'm just gonna have to keep saving. And so I was like, that's really awesome. Lennox is seeing everything. Like, I want that Barbie carriage. And I want that, like just a million things that she, like, you have 70 cents. You can buy half a pasca gum and you can have a piece. And I'm taking the rest. Like, you don't have money for that. And there was this Barbie, it was like $9 reasonably priced. And she's like, can I get this? And I was like, nope, you can probably afford a little Barbie shoe. You know, and I'm not trying to be condescending to her, but I'm just like, this is real. I'm trying to teach her a lesson. And then Cadence comes over, and she just opens up her purse, and she's like, well, how far off is she? Because she was willing to go and pay for it. And it's just, that's her heart coming from her mother's heart, who does the same thing. Moms, y'all are great. Passing on great characteristics to your kids. Come on, again, moms. Yeah. But it is so refreshing to bless others around us. If you want to live a life of purpose, you must live with integrity, be humble, Give generously. But last, as we close, we've got to serve with urgency. We've got to serve people. We've got to be looking for ways to serve others. Jesus talks about it quite a bit with his disciples. Mark 9, 33 through 35. After they arrived at Capernaum and settled in a house, Jesus asked his disciples, what are you guys discussing out, what are you guys discussing out on the road? Because Jesus had heard them arguing. He always kind of was in the lead as they traveled. The disciples were kind of arguing about some stuff. So they didn't really want to ask, like answer the question, like what were you guys talking about back there? Because they knew they'd been just arguing about who was the best, who was the greatest. How dumb is that? You're out with Jesus performing miracles, healings, and 
they're all worried about like who, which one of them is the best. And so Jesus was just, let's sit down. So he sat down and called the disciples over and he said, whoever wants to be first must take last place and be the servant of everyone else. If you want to live a life of purpose that goes on for generations, then we've got to serve people. We need to put people ahead of us every single day. Give your life away. You were made on purpose and for a purpose. It's so easy for us to get busy, let time pass, and then realize that we're not actually doing what we're supposed to be doing. We're not serving the people around us. Ephesians 2.10 says, for we are God's workmanship. The Greek word for workmanship is craftsmanship. It also means masterpiece, meaning our God handmade us, that he took the time to give us our different attributes, our gifts, our talents. We were made on purpose. He made us the way he wants us to be made, which means we can make an impact in this world. Goes on to say, created in Christ Jesus because we have a relationship with God to do good works, not to watch good works, but to do them, to be the ones performing them, which God prepared advance for us to do. That just makes me think that this whole world was pieced together, strategically placing me in the time and place that I'm at and where you're at. You're there for a purpose. You're there to do something. You're there to serve the people around you, building them up, helping lead them to be able to do the same things. Sad truth is that 86, 86% of the body of Christ does not know their spiritual gifting meaning they don't know why they're here for sure. In the early 2000s, I began touring with my band that I had started in high school. It was a Christian band, but we didn't like playing Christian venues or playing with a lot of Christian bands because we really wanted to go in and share Jesus with people that maybe never got to hear about Jesus. And the band began to grow in popularity to the place where we got to tour the world for, for some years. It was incredible. I felt in those moments I was living out my purpose. Hey, I'm making an impact. I have a purpose. I'm fulfilling it. This is amazing. Fast forward to 2009, and I was about to marry my wife, Heather. We're a month out, and I quit the band because I didn't think being gone 300 days a year was a great way to start a family. And so we got married. Best decision of my life. And some time passed, and I, I couldn't figure out what my purpose was really anymore. Did I already fulfill my purpose in my 20s? Was that my purpose? Was that it? Now it's gone? Like, how am I going to? I'm just being vulnerable with you. I'm being real. I was really, a, it was a really tough season as I tried to figure out what next. Found I-Town a year later, 2010. My wife jumped right in. Started serving with a purpose. It was awesome to watch her do it, but I wasn't ready to do it for whatever reason, probably selfish reasons. Not really seeing my value, how I could help in any way. Four years went by and I finally joined the team. I joined the Red Tent team. As an introvert, I don't recommend it. But I did, I joined the Red Tent team. I was paralyzed in fear of anyone actually having any questions. And then my wife called it out of me again. She always does. What are you doing? Get off the sidelines and go and serve 
and your giftings. You're a musician. You love worship. It's been a passion of yours. Let's go. So I joined the worship team as a bass player so I could stand in the back. And then somebody said, you're not good at bass. Will you please just play acoustic guitar and sing? It was okay, fine. But I did that for about two months and I still didn't quite understand what I was doing or what I was serving. This team was so talented. Uh, I just didn't, I didn't quite see my, my purpose. And I remember Pastors Dave and Kate invited their pastor, Pastor Chris Hodges from Church of the Highlands to come up and preach. We were in the Fishers campus. Pastor Chris had brought his worship pastor, Pastor John Larson, with him. And I was part of the worship team that weekend, and I remember in between services, I went and hid in the closet with all the other equipment, just me and the equipment, where I was most comfortable. And John comes in, he's about 6'5", big guy, comes into the small closet where it's just me pretending like I need my guitar stuff, you know, and he shuts the, the, the door behind, I'm like, oh, what are we doing? And he just looks at me and said, hey, Brendan, why don't you tell me a little bit about yourself? So I got extremely uncomfortable as I normally would when someone asked me a question like that. He's like, you know what, never mind, I'm gonna tell you about you. Okay. He says, you're not on this worship team because you can sing or because you can play acoustic guitar. You're on this worship team to help lead and pastor those young men that you're a season ahead of. That's your first step. God's got the rest of them for you, but that's what you're going after right now. That's your purpose in this team. I remember in that moment, a weight was lifted. I had a purpose. It was simple. He called it out of me. I needed him to because I wasn't recognizing that there was more to it than just being on stage and singing, that there was more to it on that worship team. There was a need that needed to be there, and he called it out of me. I ran after it, and then God gave me my next step, and he gave me my next step. We've got to call the greatness out of people. We've got to call people to be leaders. We've got to call people to their purpose, to their calling, because there are people that need us to go and do that exact thing because they will go on and do the same thing. We're here on purpose. We're here for purpose. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 4, 16, as each part does its own work, it helps the other parts grow and that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. If you're part of that 86%, that don't know your spiritual giftings. I'm gonna encourage you to go after the 1130 here at this campus at Olson Farms to the Grow Plan. We're gonna go through a spiritual gifting test. That's a first step for you to be able to go and live with your purpose. They'll answer a lot of other questions on how you can continue on the journey to figuring out what you can do to make a difference in other people's lives. So let's leverage all the time that we have left to live a life of purpose not just for this world right here, but for generations to come. Let's make sure we're living with integrity, humility, being generous, and serving others around us. With every head bowed and every eye closed. As we close, we're gonna pray that we can find out what that purpose is if we don't know what it is. If we do know what it is, that we would go out and do it. But first, I know there are Many people here in this room, out in the lobby, here at Olson Farms at the Academy campus, over in Bluffton, I know there are people that are hurting that don't know Jesus. And without knowing Jesus, there is no way for us to find out what our full purpose is. So if that's you in any of these auditoriums out in the lobby, if that's you, 
I want you to know there's an opportunity today for you to follow Christ. That you'll be able to be forgiven, have eternal life in heaven, and that we can live this life for others. So if you're coming in here and saying, Brennan, I think that's me, I'm feeling pretty lost right now. I need Jesus in my life. If that is you, I just want you to be brave and I want you to put your hand up in the count of three. One, two, three. Come on, if that's you, still time all over this room. Great job. You can put your hands down. What I'm going to do next, I'm going to pray a prayer. And all I want you to do is to pray this same prayer. Just pray it in your heart. You don't have to pray it out loud. But you just have to mean it. Just say, God, I need you in my life. I can't do this on my own any longer. Just ask him to forgive you. Just say, God, forgive me of my sins. All the times I've caused you to grieve. Forgive me. Make me white as snow. I just invite him into your heart. God, come into my heart. God, I'm at, I want to make you number one in my life. God, we love you. In Jesus' name. God, I pray for every single person in this room, in every auditorium in Bluffton, at the academy, out in the lobby and in the cafe. God, I pray that you will continue to give us opportunities to live out our purpose. Continue to remind us as we lead our families, as we, as we do different things in our classrooms or if we do different things in our workplace, God, to give us opportunities to live out our purpose, pointing people to you by serving them, being humble, being just intentional with how we live our lives and that we're the same in every environment that we are, God. God, we thank you for all that you've done today and all that you'll continue to do. We love you, in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much for joining iTown Church online today. We would love to have the chance to meet you and your family in person at one of our campuses. Or of course, you can join us streaming live online this weekend. Now for more details about times and locations and even some of our streaming options, you can go to itownchurch.com. I sure hope to see you soon. God bless.